welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, V. And Sean, we interview people in the creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on our social medias if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. Today we have with us the legendary Chase Conley, a.k.a. St. Chase. Let's go. I like this intro. Legendary. I'm working towards that, but I appreciate it, though. Thank you for having me. I've heard of tales of you. I've heard of the legends. Were they good, though? Yeah. This is good. This is good. We're going to roll. Yeah, no, they're, they're good. They're good. They're good. Yup, yup. Nice, nice. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the podcast. We're so excited, and we have so many questions. We have also a lot of questions from our listeners, so it's going to be a really nice. fun one. Nice. I like to kind of start by asking, how did you get in the industry? How What was the... That path your like. entry point. Yeah. Entry point. So um, we're speaking about animation in general, like animation industry specifically. Yeah. I grew up drawing comics and, you know, I think around fourth grade, I always talk about around fourth grade, I, I, I found Ninja Scroll, saw that movie way too early, but it's very, it's, it's instrumental in, in a lot of, in, in, in terms of my influences and my direction and so on and so forth. But um, I got into drawing comics because that's what I grew up reading, you know, like I was early 90s. That's kind of like the pinnacle of the stuff that you could find as far as like exploring certain concepts, right? Video games hadn't caught up yet. Movies hadn't caught up yet. So comic books was like, that was where it was at, where you'd find these cool high concept things, especially here in the States, right? Because manga hadn't yeah. exploded yet. So, but I had always been influenced by animation, you know, so I, I kind of split my focus where I had a specific kind of drawing. Well, I don't really have a drawing style, but I kind of trained myself in a few ways. Like I went to the School of the Arts in middle school and I'd already known what I wanted to do really early. So I had like a house American comic book style, a realism style. And then I had this style I just kept exploring that was animation, right? Animation inspired. So you fast forward to high school, I started to lose interest in superhero comics mainly because i discovered like image comics and all of that kind of stuff that was you know sure. it was more adult kind of stuff and different themes and stuff that they explored you know etc some darker tones and i also wasn't seeing some of the storylines though you know that that intrigued me uh in comics as well so i started seeing those in you know in animation and anime specifically especially like watching anime saturdays on sci-fi channel that was like that was my bag so I just wanted to, I realized like, yeah, I don't want to work in comics if to make a, the wage I wanted at the time, I didn't want to work on superhero comics because I that's just not where I wanted to go. So one day I had a conversation with somebody, not to be long-winded, but I forget who it was, but they were saying like all these artists around are influenced by animation in comics, but you don't see it in their work. And I was sure. just like, you know what? This is very true. You know, if you listen to, you talk to a lot of comic book artists, especially at the time, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, a lot of them were fans of anime, but none, there weren't many Joe Mads, right? There was like, you sure. could see it in their work. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to showcase what I was a fan of in my work, you know, uh, more authentically. So I switched my style up and this is around the time I was working for Dynamite Entertainment, a comic book company. I was working on a couple of books for them, the Dresden Files and stuff and Wheel of Time early on. And I was like, you know, I just want to switch industries. You know, it's like, it's ironic. It's like, I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm good enough to get consistent work and now I don't want to do it, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. like it's exactly how it happened. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start showcasing 
my influences more in my work. And then strangely enough, in the midst of that, the same year, this commenter on DeviantArt was like, I posted a photo of myself. And he was like, I would have never guessed that you were black based off of the stuff that you draw. And I thought about that. You know, I was like, you know, this is interesting. So I started to showcase more people that look like me in my work. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah, and, that's really cool. Mixing those with the anime influence, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And time, you know, you're talking about 2004 to 2010, around this area. Uh, but this this moment right about here is about 2008, 2009. You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I just leaned into that. You know, I was like, well, I want to see more black people or more people that look like me in anime, and I realized there weren't many. Mm-hmm. So it's up to me to kind of like figure out what that language is. And that work that I did from all spawned from a DeviantArt comment. That is so cool. That's I love that. Got, yeah. Yes, that's that's what got me uh, the attention. That's what got my work, got the attention of Titmouse and Carl Jones, who was ramping up Black Dynamite season one at the time. Oh, yeah. So oh, I had gone yeah. to South Korea. So I was, funny. yeah, I was chilling in South Korea for a little bit, visiting a friend of mine. And I meant to, I went to go visit the homie LaShawn Thomas, who was, had been there for a few, few years at that time. And I went to his, uh, you know, he took me around to, he's showing me around Seoul and he took me to the two animation studios where he had desk at the time because he was like working at both companies. And on his desk, he saw, he had a, a, an image of Black Dynamite, like, but it was Juno, Juno from Titmouse, Juno Lee. It was his character model sheets from the pilot that Titmouse animated. And I was like, yo, I'm in South Korea. This is the only black dude in these studios. And he's got black characters on his desk. What is this? And he was like, yo, it's Black Dynamite. And I was like, the movie? Like like the movie? He was like, yeah, we're making an animated series. And I saw the, the light go off in his head. He was like, yo, <laughs> you'd be perfect for this. I'm going to reach out to Carl. He showed Carl my stuff. And at the same time, Dave Johnson, legendary comic book artist, right? Shout out to Dave as well. And LaShawn. He, was, he quit Black Dynamite because like, he was like, you know, this isn't the flavor that I'm used to doing, but I know somebody that could do this. And he showed them my work. I didn't even know who he was. I mean, I didn't know uh, he knew who I was, rather. I knew who Dave Johnson was, but he had saw my work on DeviantArt, and he showed them my stuff. And and then the homie Ben Lee, whenever he found out there was a vacancy, he had been following my stuff, and he showed Ben Kalina my stuff. Wait, so, so separately, all these, just all these people <laughs> separately showed people showed the uh, like um, Ben Kalina and uh, and all the people that were in charge. They showed them my stuff, that and so Tim cool. Mouse reached out to me and was like, "Yo, you want to test for this?" And I was like, "Yeah," but they're like, "You're gonna have to move to LA." So I did a test, and I tested. I did Cream Corn, which is Tommy Davidson's character, and they loved my test enough that they end up using that model for the show. Oh, that is yeah. cool. <laughs> so yeah, if you fast forward, like I did freelance for about three, four weeks and saved up a little bread. And um, Shannon uh, Pranowski hit me up and was like, yo, you've been freelancing, but we need you to work here. You know, we need you to work locally because we got to expedite this process because we've been looking for a character designer. We're kind of behind in production. So we need to try to, you know, get you here so we can, we can, we can catch up. And I was like, yo, I don't have any savings anymore. I spent that, you know what I'm saying? I spent that overseas. And she was like, how about this? You come stay with me and Chris <gasps> in our place. Yo. And, and and so uh and then you when you get on your feet, you know, you can get your place. That and is so, so cool. Man, Chris is the man. Yeah, Chris and Chris and Shannon moved me into their house, yo. And then they were like, yo, Shannon was nice enough to be like, here's the keys to my spare car if you need it. And they gave me a, um the codes to the building. And um, I kind of just used Titmouse as like my 
my working office. I was there all day and all night because there was really nothing else for me to do, you know, when I moved to LA. And then me being as prideful as I am, I stayed at their place only two weeks and I got my first check and I got an apartment right across the street from Titmouse. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then so I ended up being over there chilling and I, I slept on the floor for about a month until I shipped my stuff over from North Carolina. But I didn't care because it was like, Shannon, I was like, you know, she, she was like, well, here, take a pillow and a blanket. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, that that would be nice, right? It's hardwood floor. You know what I'm saying? But I did that, though, you know, and I, I just worked. I was there all day and all night. And um, I just went home to sleep pretty much and shower, you know, to make sure that I was presentable. And I mm-hmm. didn't want to walk around like a pig pen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. little, little, little dust clouds following right, you. Know what <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I got my start. And then I was on Black Dynamite and... Shout out to Carl Jones, who believed in me and, you know, who was, you know, instrumental in bringing me out here. I'm very appreciative of him giving me that opportunity and Chris and Shannon for for doing the same. And, you know, that kind of changed the trajectory of my life, you know, so I owe it all to them. That's very, very, very origin story like, but it's uh, that's kind of how I got out here. Everybody's story is a little different, but that was mine. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Shout out to Chris Pernoski. It's a creative block episode 42 of uh, V and uh, Gene interviewed chris and uh man i love chris he's such a cool dude yeah just for anybody who might not know uh, the significance of the who you're working on with black dynamite would you mind just talking about why uh he felt significant to work with oh yeah so um we so so carl jones was the showrunner of black dynamite you know and at the time the homie uh, uh lashawn thomas who i had known since i was like probably seven, 16 16, I met him the very first time I met him. Um, he had just kind of kept in contact with me, saw my potential. And, uh, you know, I would link up with with him. And well, at least I would go see him when he would come to the Heroes Convention in Charlotte, which was like a lot of comic book artists' favorite convention. Because I, I guess it's, it's, it's kind of chill to late, you know, to kind of kick it in um, in Charlotte and be able to kind of hang out with the talent of the show. Sorry, I'm trying to draw and talk at the same time. It's much more challenging. <laughs> yeah, trying to. Um, it was nice for them to be able to kick it with with other 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 creators. You know what I mean? And I, every time I would be there, like uh, I would see somebody else that gave me a little bit of game. You know, so and I started going to that convention at like 15, uh, 14, 15. And Lashawn, he was like, "Yo, you be great. You want to work in animation? You be dope as a board artist because, you know, I know you want to probably do character design, but that's like the the creme de la creme job and the not the creme de la creme, more so like that's the way people view it, right? Mm. They think about it, like, oh, because I'm designing, you know, the way the characters are going to look. And he was like, but that's not necessarily true. You are designing the characters, but you're not the one that's designing. the. You're not, your final drawing is not going to be what's on screen. And also, mm. too, it's about wait, how much control you want to have over the product, you know, that you want to be able to control the storyline and have some emphasis, I mean, some some input in the layout and all this, so mm. on and so forth. And so he got me on that path. And so LaShawn was like, yeah, but, you know, I think you'd be dope designing this. So when he showed Carl my stuff, at first I was like, oh, I don't necessarily want to be a character designer. But I, the show was hilarious. And Carl was super cool. <laughs> He's a genius. You know, as soon as I talked to him on the phone, I was like, definitely want to do this. You know, I absolutely want to do this. And uh, I didn't realize how, honestly, how rare it was either to be able to work on projects that are so culturally relevant mm-hmm. either. You know, I think that that is one thing I wasn't, you know, I kind of got spoiled in a, in, a, in a sense, you know, like not realizing that it was like, you know, it's been, except for the, like the boondocks, which I ended up working on uh, the reboot a little bit later, mm-hmm. I didn't realize how rare 
that was going to be, you know, that it would, it would take me another, which I haven't done it yet, but it may take, you know, it's already been, that was 13 years ago. And I haven't had another show like that. It took, except for Boondocks, which was a 10 years in between, you know? Mm. <clears throat> so that was the significance of it, you know, like just working with Carl and, and realizing like how rare it was to work with someone like him, you know what mm. I mean? And to learn from him and his comedic timing is, is, is crazy. And he's done a million things since then that is culturally relevant. So I love that you talk about the amount of time that can go between projects of like, that are culturally relevant like you put it and mm -hmm. I think that is so true about a career in animation because sometimes you end up on a project that it's like the like the planets align and it's everything you love and then and then you know you you gotta keep working and it's not you're not going to find another project like that right away and how do you approach a new project that you're you're maybe like less excited about but you still want to do like a good job uh for Well, you know, it's interesting, like, um, that was a unique experience, because I, I don't do many character design jobs, but people think I'm a character designer. You know, mm -hmm. I've worked uh, as a character designer on maybe like, two productions, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? The one I met Sean on, you know, um, when we were on Axe Cop, which sounds like that feels like ages ago. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to talk about that separately. We'll come yeah. we'll come back to that. Yeah. But t t say what you were going to say. Yeah, about I was going to say, like, <laughs> since then, I haven't done it as a character. Oh, Boondocks, I did as well. I was a character designer, but on that as well, helping out um, Sun Kim. But I got into it to, you know, even with that preface, I mentioned uh, what Le Le LaShawn had put me on. He was like, yo, You want to be a, a director, that's the, that is the trajectory to showrunner, right? He was like, mm -hmm. look, and, and you know, you see it, it's a little less common now where, uh, I mean, less uncommon where you got like a Chris Sanders or someone like that, right? But these are also kind of transcendent talents where it used to just be the, to my estimation, the, the trajectory was you want to be a showrunner, you're either a writer and you could become a head writer to showrunner, mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. or You could be from the art side, a revisionist, storyboard artist, storyboard director, director, supervising director, showrunner, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and and coming from the art department, it's rare that you see anybody in the actual art department that is not story that becomes showrunner. Mm -hmm. Now it's less, I you know, now that I feel like they're taking pitches from people and you see more direct like art artists paired with writers as like a showrunning tandem. You know what I'm saying? So you'll see that now a little bit more, but I that's what I wanted my trajectory to be. So yeah, I, I feel like even recently people have thought of you as like oh, oh like you you design the costume for Spider Man or, sure. or like and and so they I, I think even still people are like oh he's a character designer. Yeah, and I'm not mad at that. You know, I'm like you know it's it's cool. You know, it's I'm not mad at that. Like it's it's not too bad to be to for people to love you for your draftsmanship and your design and and mm -hmm. sensibilities and stuff like that. And and it's and it's definitely not a complaint, but. Yeah. It is more like the thing I would say is the way I, I continue to have fun is like I come at it as from a cinematography standpoint. Mm. I'm a storyteller first and foremost. Like I did comics. Like I love the art mm. of visual storytelling, yeah. sequential art, you know, that kind of stuff. And so being able to continue to get better to shoot things, all different types of scenes, be it comedy, drama, real heartfelt scenes or 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 high high fidelity action stuff. I'm, there's always something in there for me to enjoy. So I just look at it as, you know, kind of expanding the breadth of my understanding. Mm. You know I and mean? so I'm always hype about it. Like the thing that gets me that I don't like is when I, I don't totally agree with the notes. 
you know, like, but yeah. that's, that's natural yeah, though. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you yeah. know, where it's like, you know, but there's a balance. Cause I think notes can make things better, but I do think sometimes it's like, you get to this point of like diminishing returns, you know, where it's just like, mm-hmm. you get to the point where people, no one's happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the nature <laughs> you of You got to separate yourself emotionally right, a little that's bit. That's the nature it. of it. You know, yeah. um, I think it was Carl also that, that said, I don't know if he told, told it to me or if he told LaShawn and then LaShawn told me, and I've been using this quote since then, let you know how influential they they both were on on my mind state when it came to this was um I don't try to be Captain Save a show you know like, I'm not I'm not it's not my show so it's like my job as a as, in terms of an employee is to try to realize your vision yeah. right and, mm-hmm. and first and foremost like and from just as from a professional standpoint you know like that that's my that's my goal you know so. Yeah. That is so smart because I feel like it's something that is, especially in feature, can be very easy to struggle with in terms of how much you should put yourself in a scene or or in the movie. And Mm -hmm. that is such a great quote to know kind of like your boundaries as a board artist because Mm -hmm. you you don't want to overstep, right? Because you get attached to it and half the time Mm -hmm. you'll look at the final thing and like, oh, another board artist came on after you and your stuff isn't even in that section. Or like, (laughs) I feel like it's all like at at the end of the day, you are a part of a whole like creating something and you have to emotionally detach a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's healthy, too. You know, I think that's an exercise. Right. And Mm -hmm. the the way that I, 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 I work around that. It's not even compartmentalization more so than I don't own this. It's yeah. not mine. Mm-hmm. How yeah. much of an, I, I'm invested in doing my best job mm-hmm. for sure, but it also isn't mine. Yeah. So I, any level of frustration, I pour that into my own personal work, mm. especially more yeah. so more now than ever, you know, like, cause I went like for years where you kind of, it's hard to get out of that mode, just mm-hmm. looking for a job. Like, you know, when we're, when you were younger, like I remember creating worlds after world after world when I was in like high school, yeah. middle school. And then when I realized like, I got to make money from this, <laughs> you know, it's about like <laughs> finding a job, getting good enough to do the job. You know what I'm saying? So then I kind of detached myself from that, that umbilical core, that creativity mm-hmm. in search of technical skill. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had to relearn. Yeah. Re- it's like re- rehabbing, you know, you have a bad accident and maybe you're you're paralyzed for a bit. You got to work your way up, get those nerves, get those synapses firing again. And I and I've been able to do that as a, over the last th- uh, three four years, which is a really enriching experience because you kind of awesome. you relearn, you get to learn yourself all over, and then also the things that you've acquired in terms of knowledge, you get to put that into that work now. You know, and, and try to throw that all in a stew mix and see what it tastes like again. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So. And and then you get new combinations that you probably haven't felt before. You're mm-hmm. like, oh shit! Like I learned this thing on this thing, and now mm-hmm. I'm putting it in my own thing, and this feels different. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that, like 100. percent Like you know, we talked about I talk about Ninja Scroll and stuff like that, but there's a there was a lot of ego involved as well, and like trying to push yourself and and trying to mm-hmm. present your best work and stuff like that. And for a long time, you know, when you're young, it's like, well, what is my style? Now mm-hmm. I personally feel like I don't have a style because I can draw whatever I want. And that's the most liberating thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I would not have been yeah. able to understand how that would have felt when I was young. Cause I did not, I hadn't acquired that level of understanding yet, but now mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like I can draw whatever I want. And, uh, and well, I'll just finish this one thing. And then, uh, no, I'll no, 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 go. but the, the one thing is this, I, I went back to that same deviant art thing where I was like, well, what are my influences? I love Kawajiri so much. 
why not put that directly into my work? I used to want to have so much pride of like, I want my work to look like my work. And of course I want that, but it's naturally going to look like your work because you're doing it. Yeah. And then I start, I stopped thinking about it. I started thinking about it more of, of a privilege to be able to draw and stand on Kawajiri's shoulders. Right. And so yeah. I started putting that work in some of my stuff. And I was like, I just want to draw some X-Men in this Kawajiri style. <laughs> I got me the X-Men job. That is so cool. You know what I mean? It yeah, was just like me, me trying to be happy and figure out like what makes me happy as an artist. You know what I mean? So so you you've noticed like in like definite points in your career where you can associate getting in touch with what makes you feel like you and the stuff that makes you feel happy with success around you like like getting noticed by somebody or or something like that. 100%, man. I I can attest to that 100%. Like to the extent that I remember feeling like I was kind of over the industry because I wasn't getting a lot of the jobs that I wanted for a, a moment in time. I was thankful for the ones I got, but mm -hmm. maybe it's about like the jobs that I had. I didn't have the level of influence over the productions that I wanted, you know? And I think that, you know, we all kind of go through that at times. And yeah. I was like, well, I want to just draw something to make me happy. I forgot what it felt like to be happy with my work. And I had to sit back and really think like, well, when was the last time I was happy? You know what I'm saying? When was the last mm -hmm. time I was happy? Mm -hmm. And ironically enough, it took me until I had to think all the way back to fourth grade and um, when it came to my artwork. And I was like, well, what was I what, what was I doing then? You know, like, mm -hmm. what, was I, what was I watching at the time? And I was like, oh, I remember this a period of discovery that I had because I had just discovered Ninja Scroll. You know what I mean? I had just seen that for the first time. And, mm -hmm. and that was like really trippy. You know what I'm saying? Because it blew up like everything that I thought about what what animation could be you know because coming from from the western mm -hmm. perspective yeah and that totally just changed everything for me and then i was like well what else was i watching i remember watching x-men the animated series because it was that was like my saturday morning you know what i mean where it was like mm -hmm. spider-man came on fox and then and then i mean x-men and then spider-man came on you know back to back and right after that anime saturdays would play something so i was like i'm just going to combine these two things together and it was interesting enough people our peers were like bro this is dope and you know it's cool to get admiration from fans and 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 casual fans but it's it's a, it hits different whenever people that you really look up to and that you love their work they're like yo i see what you're doing and that's fire mm. and i was on a tear and then i had gotten that i was reinvigorated i i had a i had a mana potion you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i could cast spells again you know what i'm saying so, yeah. Yeah. In in that line of thinking, I just want to talk about my first encounter with 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 you, like in just in general. Mm -hmm. my, my first job, my first the first time anybody took a chance on me was Fox ADHD. <laughs> shout out! Shout out to Fox. <laughs> Yeah, that was, I I got asked to move out to LA. I took a risk. I came out, and I, I I'm 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 not gonna lie. When I got there, I was like. I looked at the people around me and I was like, what is going on? Why am I here? Because I remember being in this room uh, at, at this studio and it was, it was Chase. <laughs> it was Damon Moran. It was LaShawn Thomas. 
and then and then like and then I was and then I was there and I was just, I was just out of school and and I remember even <laughs> I was super naive because uh, I came out I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch my own show I'm gonna do all this stuff I I didn't even know why I was there I just came out and I remember Damon Damon asked me like hey like what what do they have you doing and I was like hopefully I'm gonna direct something and then he said hopefully not because <laughs> oh, wow. I was just <laughs> I was just this young kid out of school. He was like, hopefully you're not directing this thing that I'm on. <laughs> because, uh, but in, in all seriousness, I looked around and I was like, this is a collection of some of the best artists I've ever seen in person in my life. And I don't know how I'm here. And for me, whether you guys know it or not, like that first experience was sort of like you guys were. So, I mean, LaShawn Thomas, I was going to say LaShawn Thomas was my LaShawn Thomas for you. But like, but like all of you guys, you and LaShawn Thomas and all of the like the like Anthony Gowu, like like all those dudes at that first studio were my first pe the first people I ever met in mm -hmm. the industry. And I had such an immense privilege of being around like absolute fucking titans like 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 already like and and you know you guys have already you all gotten better but like you know i came out and i didn't know shit and uh i don't know that that, that was uh a, a, it was humbling it was a reality check and it was inspiring well you're you were dope and you you also had a different flavor from all of us and i think that that was the best part about about adhd at the time as well you know because there was a lot of like indie in the animators that yeah. were doing their own thing where you guys kind of, you already were wearing multiple hats in production. Whereas we came from a much more structured, you know, production where we had all basically just come from black dynamite over there. Mm -hmm. Right. It was mm -hmm. like, LaShawn was the supervisor director. Damon was the, uh, the prop designer. Anthony had just come from motor city. Oh, which, wow. was run, which was running concurrent to our production as well. So we were there around the same time. It wrapped around the same time. I was a, the, the, the character designer and we had young Ki Yoon who's a legend. Oh who came God, over? I remember well. him too. Yeah, he oh was there for a couple God. days, and <laughs> I think he bounced. I mean, there was a couple <laughs> people that there was yeah. a couple people there who, like, it was very clear it was not going to be a fit, like that, yeah. <laughs> like that, that they were going to leave for one reason or another. Usually, not their fault. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was, but, he, was, yeah. Yeah, he was he was a uh, he was a legend and had so much experience on based on I mean, over all of us, you know, in terms of just being in production for years at, prior to that. So. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was cool. Like, I'm thankful for that time. Like, you know, I think about how much talent passed through that building. Like, Spencer Wan was there for mm -hmm. a brief moment. Like, it was And, and they people. did not know what they had. I, that was had crazy to me. I remember all. seeing his work and I was like... You're on short. You're on shorts right you're now. You're on the short you... scene, bro? I mean, he wasn't there for that long. He was short on his, <laughs> on his tenure. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, he was gone. But, I think he left and went to Studio Ghibli or something like that. They did. They did. They did not know what that. And for those of you that don't don't know, he was the animation director on Castlevania. Like he, he mm -hmm. just absolute like that like is. and 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 you were talking about like being a multiple like good at multiple parts of the production. Like he could mm -hmm. uh, he could paint. He could animate. He could, like but like straight up like anime like like sakuga shit like he's yeah. really incredible work <laughs> he's amazing man um amanda uh winterstein miranda takia yeah, yeah. like was his name rich that created animaniacs oh the really oh. yeah the creator of yeah. Animaniacs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 like there was mad talent the homie demille bryant 
to uh, Doug Doug Olson came through. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that went through, and you know, it was dope. I always will appreciate ADHD for giving everybody opportunities like that. Like, there's so many people that were just kind of like either outliers, like they were mm-hmm. almost at ready, or they were fresh out of school. You know, for me, it was I was just happy to have a job because I I remember thinking like I'm on a six month contract mm-hmm. with Titmouse, and then that got extended six months. And I was like, thank you. Like, I can at least finish my week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then right sure. when that happened, Nick had left Adult Swim to make Fox ADHD. Oh, so right. He, had been from, he was my executive, one of my executives on Black Dynamite, and he loved my oh. stuff. Yeah. So he was like one of our executive producers back in Atlanta. And he bounced and was like, yo, I've seen your work. Do you want to come work at my company? Oh, oh that's cool. I didn't, I didn't make that connection. That's really cool. I was going to ask, like, how you, what was the email like for you to go to ADHD? But now I know you already yeah, that, answered the question. It, that's what it was. Um, I remember it was, I was coming up on the end of my contract. I had been putting my feelers out there and I think he knew as well, you know, because they, they had been, I think Hind had reached out to me at the time uh, via email and it, it, she kind of gave me the rundown about what they were doing, what they were trying to get done. And I was like, yo, I'm down. You know, I I had not heard of Axe Cop at the time, and she she kind of pitched to me what they were trying to do, and and it was like another action adventure show. You know, she was like, "Look, you know, you you can wear multiple hats here." Yeah, which was dope because uh, I came in as a designer, but I told her that I wanted a board, and nice. Lashawn ended up bouncing after a couple months, and there was a vacancy because mm. you know there weren't. This company was small when me and Sean were here. We talking about at the house. We were at a house in Los Feliz. Yeah, it was like 15 pe- it was like 20 yeah. people yeah, and then we it turned into good. like 150 people three building company blew up, right in three years oh, that's yeah. crazy that's so we were crazy. we were in a house and it there weren't it was one person really per department kind of sean was the main person animating at least for x cop when we were doing those shorts at the time yeah 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 and <laughs> and, it, and it was crazy because like i knew that you guys were going to be going on to the show and i and the funny part is i initially had come out there and they had hired me as a writer on Axe Cop. And then oh. they fired and then they fired me immediately. <laughs> and then I was like, uh, can, can I pitch some shorts? And then they I pitched a short and I they paid me to do a short and then I went on onto the shorts team. But for for a brief second, I was like working on the same cartoon as as all of the like amazing ass people that would end up going on to axe cop and i was like oh you know as you know as this little cop you know ap- after college student right out of college <laughs> but you are a great but, addition to the culture of that place thanks, too though thanks. you know i don't want you to undervalue that by any means not that you that. aren't you know what i'm saying but um you know you were kind of the essence of what they kind of wanted to do as well and you know you were coming from well i, I say this because i'm sort of like youtube animation yeah, you know but you're, you know? you're wearing you're doing entire things yourself mm. you know what i mean where i came yeah. in from comics to then like a more structured traditional pipeline and i i was learning animation as i was on uh, on the fly you know sure. like when Lashawn left they were like you want to be the storyboard director i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll yeah. do that no doubt, you know how do I do this? You know what I'm saying? So, and you um, hadn't done it before. You hadn't done it before. You were just like, no. oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I learned Flash, and you know, um, but I, but I had an idea because you know, it was, it was not so different from comics in terms of like shot selection, but of course, there are just rules of cinematography that you have to learn. 
you yeah. know, and uh, I came into it green and they they gave me a great opportunity and a space to be able to do that, you know. Yeah, it was dope, you know, and, and like I said, you essentially were already doing what a lot of kids are doing now, you know what I mean? Which is like, you're doing everything like that. We're worthy kids. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. on, on YouTube, when I think about like Blender being free now, yeah, and all of this stuff, like technology is just crazy. You know what I'm saying? So, are yeah. you are you kind of looking into these programs, or are you kind of because you were talking a little bit earlier in the interview about how you take some of your frustrations into your personal projects, or 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 like that people like that's a good way to kind of sometimes deal with the frustrations at work what are what kind of personal projects do you have are you kind of looking more at like traditional pitch or are you thinking are you kind of really kind of looking into that <laughs> producer mindset for youtube etc no this is a good question i mean i think i look at it as both ways right because i do think i always ask everybody what is distribution now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you yep, know mm-hmm. like yep I was looking at a chart the other day and it was like, you had to add up every single streaming platform to get to like half of Google. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep. You know, mm-hmm, including mm-hmm. TikTok. You know what I mean? So it's like, if there's so much, so many eyes on YouTube, what is distribution? Like really you could just pay for marketing and mm-hmm. and and put it up there and then, you know, get your ad revenue based off of that, right? Mm-hmm. But I also do think that we're still in this crossroads where, as a creative, I think to the common person that's not a cre- that's not a creator, there's still the prestige of like, oh, you know, there's a show on Netflix, you know? So you want to also kind of still maybe be engaged with the traditional, like selling a show, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Selling a show, selling yeah. your IP to, to a studio because there are benefits to that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I have projects that I, that I'm, I think about that I'm creating that, that serve different purposes. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I am looking at things of like, I look at, you know, more from a standpoint of this, selling a show and having the traditional kind of TV pipeline of like, you get your show sold, you it airs on TV, you get a, a cut of the marketing, you know, you get a cut of the, you get some residuals, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't really get any residuals when it comes to streaming platforms like that. You know, yep. you just don't, you know, you get your kind of, you get your money and that's kind of it. You know, you're upfront and that's kind of it. You know, you may be having a couple points on on merch, maybe, you know, depending on what your contract looks like. Yep. I, I think that um, I look at things like now more so the the work is is a commercial for merchandise. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Know, yeah, it's just a, it's the same thing as it used to be with our the shows we grew up watching were just toy commercials, you know. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. for the longest as a creative, I wasn't thinking with the business mind. I was thinking of like, I want to see my work realized to this level. That is the pinnacle of like my achievement, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. well, if I just build the IP up, I can probably achieve somewhat of the same thing, right? If I build the IP up, that doesn't really matter how I do that. And mm-hmm. then also, if I want to have like a full experience that you would get from watching an animated feature or an animated series, I can probably do some semblance of that just by making really realized animatics uh-huh. yep, that yep. I can do myself, right? Mm-hmm. Sound design, just like an animatic, have it sound design to get some good voices and stuff like that and really just pose it out. Uh-huh. Then I can actually still do it myself and that way I, it's, it's scalable, right? So I've been doing that with this Western that I have called Die Laughing. It's a cosmic horror Western. And Ooh, that sounds cool. It's it's gonna be dope, you know. It's like a love letter. Everything I do is kind of a love letter to the stuff that I grew up watching, and and I wanted to. My goal is to make stuff as dope as the things that inspired me, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And yeah, and that's one of those things where it's got a lot. It's kind of got a lot wrapped up in it, where it's like the Wicked City, Ninja Scroll, Kawajiri kind of vibe. 
where I'm really pushing my style because one, it's it's an animatic. It's not full animation. So yeah. I can I can make the layouts pretty dope and I can and you'll see my style translated in those layouts, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the in the shots where the style gets to, to to shine through. And I also get to scratch that itch where I'm like, I just want to see something that looks like what my drawing style is realized, right? Mm-hmm. But you still get the emotion from it because the the sound design, <laughs> the voice acting, et cetera, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right now I'm doing scratch dialogue, but you could always replace that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you get somebody cast and just change the scratch in, in an edit program and you know just do it all over again, mm-hmm. re-edit it and export it that way. And there's a tangible example of, of of the world, the same way that you feel when you watch something for the person to be like, oh, I get this world now. Cause it's something mm-hmm. about me. I'm I come from hip hop culture. Like, you know, I'm I'm right around that that I'm I'll be 38 this year. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like that was like a big part of my life as well. And it's influenced my work, not to the point that I wanted to be corny. You know, I like I like things to to to, to all kind of mesh and complement in a way. But yeah, you know, that there some of the 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 production stuff that I use as scratch tracks that I just throw in there, it helps you really understand the vibe and who mm-hmm. I am as a person. That's that's a little bit more than you would from a still image. Yep. Yep. But then mm-hmm. I can also complement that with still images. You know, so like my plan is to essentially do a bunch of animatics and do preliminary design work that you would get in, in biz dev and yeah. then put an art book out the same way that you would get a groundworks book for a series yeah. you know there's just it just isn't a series yet now i've noticed that you've done a lot of collaboration with red Seacrest and project city mm-hmm. do you feel like since talking to him about how he works and talking to all those people in that in that group has that affected how you think about doing this exact thing because I, I did notice that you started working on this a lot after uh after uh working with him 100 percent. i mean <clears throat> the thing is is a lot of that i credit to one i just wanted to kind of get a job where i wanted to draw my own stuff right mm-hmm. yeah i also saw the impact that rad's animatics could give you know like as he started posting up his kind of like little small shorts i mean rad's a master storyteller you know what Mm -hmm. i mean shout out to rad and johnny as well what they were doing over there was exactly what i wanted to do where it was like let's build up our ip you know like at any point you know Mm -hmm. we can use this to teach use it we're using it to teach because we're doing it at the same time showing people the process of how you make something but also you own it all right Right. Like I can take it off of the platform and sell it at any point. You know what I mean? So it serves two purposes because it's like I get to enrich the lives of other people because I get to show them my process in full transparency. You build up that community as well. You have like a brain trust, essentially, because the people that meet with you week to week, you can bounce ideas off of them and see how they feel and get an immediate kind, you know, kind of reaction mm-hmm. to the work that you're doing. But then also as well. You know, like I said, you own it. So you can do whatever you want with it. And we just use that to kind of to build up the platform and their their community projects as well. And the the main thing that got me into it was like he had been trying to get me to teach for a couple of years at that point. And he was like, Man, you know, you should just teach. Like you you got an interesting style, you got an interesting approach. People would love to hear how you think. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's simple as that. And I was like, Well, I don't want to teach using other IP because yeah. that can you know that can get complicated real quick legally so i was like well let me use this as an opportunity to create something and the first idea i'd come up with was this character in the story called sola 
Mm-hmm. And um, I was collaborating with uh, with Lior. Shout out to Lior Barris, who was at ADHD with us for a moment too. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, we had been looking for a way to collaborate for years. So I had her write up like a sample script for me and also a small fight scene thing that was really open-ended, you know, where it was very, very, very loose structure. Not the typical structure that you need out of like a story, like a true story, but leaving it a bare enough skeleton for the students to kind of do what they wanted with it. And I was like, you know what, let's just work on this together. And then from that point, I was like, okay, I'm, I want to do another story because I'm going to teach a different class this time. It's not going to be mm-hmm. storyboarding. It's going to be at character design class. So then I came up with this other story called Rossum. That's another love letter to some of the Tatsunoko stuff I love. Cashern, a mix of like Big O mixed with cyberpunk kind of vibe as well. And that took a life of its own. And then before I knew it, I was like, I think I got that. I've got the confidence back as a creative. Because oh, I yeah. shut that off for so long, I didn't have confidence in my ideas anymore. Yep. You know, I just didn't. And uh, people are like, oh, what are you crazy, man? I'm like, yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah, that's that's the way it is sometimes. You know, you just don't it it's it, it just like that sometimes. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't, I didn't get I didn't have it. And that was the best part about it. And you know, I'm thankful for the platform for that because one, I also saw that people found like the, the little things that I did to be interesting because you know you're coming into it thinking like oh you know everybody knows this but a lot of people don't mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know sure. a lot of people don't and um that also helped boost my confidence and like oh maybe I do have something to to offer that is unique and uh, it took some of the pressure off as well because I just decided to try to have fun yeah I had gotten in contact with you know I gotten back in touch rather with that that the thing that made me happy as a child when, when it came to work, you know, so, and, and creating. Do, do you have an upcoming class that anybody can look into? I don't have a upcoming structured class necessarily where, but I do stream every Tuesday on Project hey. City. Yeah, yeah. So every Tuesday, seven to nine, I stream, I work on my Western two hours. A, it's two hours a week, right? You chip away at it, you mm-hmm. know, and I could either have nothing at, at the end of the year. Cause I'm working on, a gig typically, you know, where that mm-hmm. takes about 50, maybe 55 hours of your week sometimes to or and have nothing or work two hours a, a week at least. And so <clears throat> on Tuesdays, I, I work on my Western seven to nine, just chipping away at boards or designs or whatever. And I stream with the with the, 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 the homies on there. A lot of times people use that as opportunities to work alongside me. But nice. on Saturdays, which was formerly Thursdays, but on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, about 9 to a, not to a, to 11, sometimes 12, I go late. I review work. So all of the work that the, that the contributors to Project City, all of their individual projects that they upload, I'll give them critiques and feedback on, right? So if that's nice. animatics, oh, yeah, so if it's animatics, I'll, I'll change shots for them. You know, if it's character design stuff, I'll 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 tighten up the structure of the drawing, or I'll tell them like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe this is a little too busy. You know, so let's streamline this and try to figure out where you really want your mileage to be in this design. You know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just so if you want to boost up their the the quality of of their work as well, because we want to we really want to make sure that they're they are making their projects as well, right? That's what it's all about. We're all making projects together. So yeah. it's like, not only am I a member, the president, I'm, I'm a member type of vibe. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if somebody wants to sign up for this, it's it's basically like like if you are a patron of if you donate Correct. to this, then you, is you're sort of entered into 
like a club of people that gain access to Correct. you know creators like you. Correct. So it's like it's like thirty three dollars a month, right? So, uh, but you get access to um, all of the backlog videos on um, on the sprint. We we started off doing like the story sprint where it was once a week somebody would do a and it's still the same way, right? But once a week, we each day of the week we'd have somebody different from the industry come in and talk about something, right? Nice. It's it's like storyboard pro essentials or if it's like the essentials to being a revisionist or what I think about as a writer, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, and, and everybody has their, has their different approaches. And so you get a, a wealth of different outlooks and, you know, uh, skill sets from different people. Uh, and it's just one, one day a week for that person for the month. So you get like nice, a nice four to, you know, depending on how long they talk, you know, four to five hours of uh, that individual person take on, on animation and what they do. And so, you know, we've backlogged about an, an, a year's worth of that now, a little bit over that probably. So you you sign up and you get access to all those past recordings as well, which is dope, you know, and it's still in the class. There's still classes that, we, that, that are taught as well, like more formal, like six to 10 week courses and things like that for people that want to have homework assignments. A couple months ago, we did like a create your own short uh, kind of curriculum where it kind of sp spanned over like two to three months and took you from the initial phase of your log line mm -hmm. all the way through your final animatic for your short like it's a two to three minute short which is great because some people don't understand the structure of of creating a short you know or creating an ip and it, it's it's really it can feel insurmountable mm -hmm. if you don't yeah. know the yeah, process yeah, yeah. you yep. know what i mean so I mean, there's people that go to school for four years to learn how to do that and still come out of it like, I barely know this. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's super useful, super helpful. That's really cool. That's a really awesome, like, model. And it's awesome to hear that, like, it's not only helped your students or, or, or backers kind of get to know you better and, and get your your advice, but it's also kind of helped you carve out time to work on your own projects. And that's really awesome mm -hmm. what is kind of like your end goal with your your western project are you going to are you going to try to take it to studios or are you going to try to kind of like build it more as so a uh... that specific one i want mm -hmm. to just be fun fun now. yeah right so and i think that was kind of going back to your original question right i kind of uh, I, I was i was filibustering <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the <laughs> that that particular one, I want to just make sure it's fun first, you know, mm -hmm. because it is yeah. an avenue for me to just kind of let loose and do the things that I that I'm inspired by without any kind of filter or any kind of input from anybody else at the moment. So I'm just more focused on building up the IP. I'm not mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. selling it or taking it out, you know, but mm. really I want to build up the IP and have a, you know, I'm I'm about eight more minutes into like a 30 minute pilot, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've got, about oh, six, I've got about six already that's already up and boarded. It's a lot of setup at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just essentially it started as a, a prompt for the, for the sprint uh, a year and a half ago where Rad was like, oh yeah, you, would you mind boarding something for the story sprint? And I was like, yeah, he was, I was like, oh, well, let me just do something simple. Like a man walks into a bar. He was like, oh, it's Western. It's uh, it's fantasy month. So I was like, oh, guess I'll just make this guy a wear hyena. You know what I mean? And then oh, it, cool. it grew and grew and grew into something. But but yeah, I, I'm I'm about, I got like six minutes of the animatic done already. And then I have another seven and a half minutes 
that is already roughed out that I've been doing over the past few months with my class, if you want to call them that, you know, mm -hmm. essentially, I, I just want to get the pilot done, get the design sheets done, see how I feel about it at that time. Like, is it something that I want to continue to do? Mm -hmm. Do I want to keep building the IP up? But I'll, I'm going to marinate on it. And, you know, I've had some people that have shown some interest in it already, you know, like, oh, this is dope. You know, mm -hmm. you don't really see many Westerns with black leads like that. Mm -hmm. I hear remnants, uh, I hear murmurs on a, of another one on the horizon, but I, I, it doesn't dissuade me from doing my own because both of these things can exist sure. in yeah. the same space, you know? So I just want to make sure that I'm, that, that I continue to build the IP and I'll let that marinate and then I'll move on to Rossum probably and Sola, the two sci-fi ones as well, because mm -hmm. I also want to draw sci-fi stuff. I want to draw yeah. robots. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to draw all that kind of stuff too. Love and, letter to the mech. You know? Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so you you can't throw everything in one IP. I used to do that where, you know, where it's like- <laughs> Just oh, every no. possible thing. Yeah. Everything is in the same story. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to do that. So I, I'll leave this as a cosmic horror Western. It's already crazy being cosmic horror Western. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. You know what I, so. I, I'd love I'd love for the audience to see your character. Would you mind doing a quick doodle of uh, your uh, oh, yeah. hyena? Yeah, of course. I'd love, I can to, do that. I'd love that. I can do that. His name is Asfaha. I'll drop him right next to your your ghostwriter here. Yeah, and I, I'm just kind of like riffing on what you were saying about just like building an animatic and like a really strong animatic can go such a long way. I've actually seen a, a, a lot more people are uploading what they call quote unquote animatics on YouTube, not mm -hmm. by professionals, but by like fans. And it's inspired me as a professional to be like, okay, I don't have to go as crazy as I thought I needed to in boards because I can just kind of have some really nice drawings or completed illustrations in the animatic. And it kind of like goes, and it doesn't have to be like fully animated. Mm -hmm. And don't have to be tied to what the the industry standard for an antibiotic is. And we can just kind of like make our own and just put it on YouTube. I think that's really cool. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I look at it as uh, also like, look at the success of of uh, One Punch Man, right? Yes. One, you know, in, yeah, yeah. in the yes. webcomic, right? That's the web the webcomic is just it's essentially one just doing his thing. The artwork is not anything crazy. But he's banging out all this story structure. People are invested mm -hmm. in the story, so they're reading it. And then it just streamlines the process. And then Murata comes in with the, his god hand and then redraws <laughs> yeah. everything. Gets carried away, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, and But but he's still building the IP up that way, right? So, yeah, for sure. uh, yeah I think about it in that sense now. And, and because we have YouTube and it, we do have Storyboard Pro and all the capabilities of and so many other alternatives in terms of animation, but uh, the, the capability to 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 bang out animatics even without the uh, because we have so many opportunities to uh, and, and technology is available to us to be able to um, make animatics without any kind of editing software and do it on our own. And, and then YouTube people just get to get to view it. You know what I mean? So yeah. why not take advantage of that and, um, and 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 really just lean into that? Because, you know, I think that if, if it's interesting, people are going to watch it. Yes, I think so too. I yeah. believe that like, I, I do believe like every, even though the algorithm is really difficult on YouTube from what I've gathered, I am not an right. expert on the YouTube algorithm. I do feel like when people really enjoy, especially because the animation community is so tight knit and 
people when they're excited about the thing they share it they talk about it i feel like if it's really good it's gonna it, it's mm -hmm. gonna blow up mm. i agree i think that that in itself is kind of liberating as well you can kind of change whatever you want at any time and um you're not you're not overly concerned you can do things on a budget and let's say i want to scale it and i don't want to necessarily pay for animation i thought about crowdfunding what about if i crowdfunded three episodes mm -hmm. animatics mm -hmm. and i was able to hire my my friends that that could board really dope to just help me bang out three animatics where you can really get a nice chunk of this series mm -hmm. for not as much as it would cost to animate three episodes or something you know what yeah. i mean and yep. you would have that get a sound designed all that stuff and if i wanted to still put my style on it i could always go back in, in their files and draw over certain drawings yeah and make it feel like that you know what i mean the same way that you would as a director yep yeah yeah that's so smart that's so smart yeah yeah like i i love kind of thinking about the business side of things and it's, it's exciting to hear that you're also thinking about these things too as as like a uh, seasoned professional because i feel like it's so exciting to 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 look at what's going on, on, on online and that you, we have access to like a big audience sometimes the numbers can be bigger than what you would get on network tv mm -hmm. I, I want to uh tangent <clears throat> or, or skip around a little bit here because i i think it's really dope how you talked about starting in comics starting in illustration and comics and getting into animation and now i've i feel like i've seen you circle back a lot to comics you got to design some spider-man stuff do some covers i even saw someone like design what was it the shoes that you had oh yeah, had yeah. designed for like and and, and x-men and uh, can you talk a little bit about like getting back in, into that stuff or or, or at least uh, getting approached for things like that yeah of course like it's interesting i like i said i didn't want to do superhero stuff when i was uh you know, in my early 20s, because I just read that my whole life. It wasn't because I disliked it, but I was just, I wanted to do something new. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I I changed professions. But when I, like I said, when I went back to just thinking about like, well, what makes me happy? What was I watching? And I started drawing X-Men. And then the thing about that that was interesting is a lot of people were sharing it. Like they were going, they, they kind of went viral. Like I remember I had no one on my Twitter no one, no one cared about what I was saying. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I was posting my X-Men on Twitter directly from Procreate. Like I was just boom, right out. And I wasn't paying attention. I came back, I had like 25,000 followers. Oh. What? That yeah. is fucking crazy. It was crazy. So I, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, I should have just stopped talking because I probably would have got more. I feel like as soon as I started talking, people were like, oh, all right. You know, but um, <laughs> that, that got the, so apparently Marvel Publishing saw that. And they were sharing them in the Marvel publishing Slack. And so Whoa. Marvel reached out to me oh, and I was like, yeah, shit. you know, I'm working on the series. I like, you know, they were, and I was like, yeah, I used to work in comics, but I've been working in animation the last, you know, 12, 13 years. So, well, this time it was maybe 10, 10, 11 years ago. And they hadn't, you know, when you're not in that, in that industry, you know, they're not necessarily that familiar with you at all. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't yep. working in comics and, you know, in production, we're just kind of like names at the end of the show mm -hmm. a lot of times, sure. right? Yep. They reached out to me and they were like, yo, do you want to do a Spider-Man cover? And do you want to redesign Miles Morales? Because you got all this, these design sensibilities. You And I was like, for sure. And so the, the, the cover that they had me do was for the 60th anniversary of Spider-Man, which was a year ago. And um, it was the Todd McFarlane 
versus Venom. I mean, it, Tom McFarlane Spider-Man versus Venom trade paperback cover, the iconic one for the first collected ver- story versions of that story. Oh, shit. And then they asked me to redesign Miles Morales because they wanted something that was different from the movie the, than, than Spider-Verse, but that uh, they could use to celebrate his his 10th anniversary. Because hmm. the first pass I had done, it was like too similar to the movie. They're like, no, we got to depart from that. So we just took it left, you know, like took it all the way left. And, and I ended up doing that. And after that, they, uh, my friend, a friend of mine now who I, who, who I respect, right. You know, Daniel Warren Johnson was drawing Beta Ray Bill and writing it. He had just done that cool heavy metal version of uh, Wonder Woman, right. Really dope DC black label. And he was writing and drawing a, a Beta Ray Bill story. He uh, asked me to do a cover for it. And I was like, Man, I love Beta Ray Bill. Hell yeah, I'll do this cover. <laughs> and so Marvel hit me up again and they were like, You want to do this cover? And I was like, Yeah, for sure. And I did that and and people really liked it. They end up using it as the number one, which was just cool. You know what I'm saying? It was just dope. After that, um, they hit me up to do a few more covers and they wanted me to do X-Men covers and they were gonna buy my my X-Men stuff and all of this stuff. And then I got wrapped up in X-Men the animated series because you know animation is is a challenging medium and I'm mm-hmm. I'm an episodic director so a lot of my job requires reboarding scenes under mm-hmm. dress you know what I mean because yeah <laughs> the, the, you know the nature of it you know what I mean so oh my under God. dress is under- a good way to describe I, it <laughs> yeah those are I love the way you phrase things it's always very like literary in a way yeah. <laughs> I mean you know, that's kind of how it is it's just like you know somebody puts down this time this timer and like bam all right now you got to get this done or you die and it's like oh yo i just sat down like you know what i'm saying let me warm my coffee up you know what i mean like it's like they just blast the x-men theme song yeah. and, and it's like an alarm that you're that's, like oh. that's the nature of animation though you know and um and especially as a director because you you get like this you you sometimes you got to do what people get in two to two to six weeks to do i mean six to four to six weeks mm-hmm. and you got to condense that down to two or maybe yeah. sometimes even one so you're really trying to turn turn these things out. And so I got wrapped up in that, but they finally did reach back out to me to do a Bishop cover. And I was like, it was a Bishop War College cover. And oh, shit. I was like, okay. yo, I'm directing on X-Men and I'm drawing X-Men co- covers. Oh my and so God. I, and I finally got one done and everything else otherwise hasn't worked out scheduling for me, you know, in terms of doing more work for them. So, but it's still cool though. I still managed to get that done and, 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 and to say I was able to work on both at the same time, which was really cool. So that's kind of been my, my jump back into comics. And when I had done that first Marvel cover, which was that Spider-Man, Robert Kirkman reached out to me and, and had me do a walking dead cover, like a wow. Michonne Michonne wow. cover, which is dope, you know, and so uh, cool, yeah. yeah. I love that character. Yeah, yeah. So best. I've been I've been doing them here and there, and now, oh, and then also my boy uh, Nick Draper Ivy was drawing like the the kind of reboot of Static, and he had his editing staff reach out to me, so I did a Static cover. Ah, that's like a dream, dude. I love Static Shot. <laughs> yeah, that's so that, sick. That was dope, right? So, and then um, the same editor, Marquise reached out to me to do the DC Power cover. This I did this last fall. So the Black History Month DC Power series that they do during Black History Month. I did the cover for that. I got posters and everything they use for I, I think so, I I think I was watching you do that on Twitch a little bit. Yeah, I I, I, think so. I 
yeah, I had done some uh, some cleanup, uh, some inking and stuff like that. So, um, which is like they probably like, yo, you were doing what on Twitch? It's too never late. mind. Uh, it was probably something else. Nah, nah, it's cool. <laughs> it's I know cool. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I saw something else. I don't know. Nah, nah, it's cool. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I just keep it cropped. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like, I think about it like this: <laughs> it's cross marketing because now the people that were watching the stream. Or like, yo, I know that I want to look at it. It's not like I didn't do it. I'm not, I'm not, it is what it is. And I and, and I had showed the preview of it. And, and he hit me up and he was like, I, it's, it's dope that you're showing work in progresses, but no more work in progress for, for this. And I was like, okay, cool. So it's fine. <laughs> but but people look out for it. And so people know to look out for it. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think it works. Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't always do it, but I knew that that was going to be a fun one because I was trying to do yeah. more of a comic book style that I, mm. you know, where I'm just got, kind of getting a little bit more inky and mm. and doing um, something that was kind of closer to like my my OG kind of house style that I had that I that I used when I was a uh, when I was younger. Mm. That's so cool. That's so funny because I I was thinking in my brain I was like, how are they like? I was I was like, how did you work out that contract with them to like do it on Twitch? But now I I found out. <laughs> I, I was gonna ask you you talked about episode directing and mm -hmm. i think that's a really cool position that isn't really talked about a lot in animation like in traditional interviews and stuff so if you're down i'd love to talk about like your philosophy about episode directing kind of what are your priorities when you direct an episode like what are you looking at or how do you organize your workload all of these kind of things sure sure i mean well i mean the first thing i do is you know i meet with the showrunner a lot of times also in the writers i think that that normally happens in like your tone meeting right and mm -hmm. the first thing i want to make sure is i under that i understand is um what's the subtext of everything that's happening that's going on mm. like, what what is the subtext of this scene like what am I highlighting? What is this character thinking? What were they? What happened before this? They came into this room, you know, because I think a, a lot of times as a uh, you'll see board artists, they typically they get their hand out right, and they will kind of treat their scene as like a a mini movie, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. movie. But mm -hmm. it's like I need you to read the whole thing, read the whole script, then read your sequence, your handout, mm -hmm. and then figure out how that fits in the scheme of the episode because you may overboard i don't need you to board and make this so drawn out and paced out when it's like that's not where we want to spend the time in the episode right we need to get through this scene pretty fast so that way you also not you're saving yourself because you're mm -hmm. not gonna get that life back i can't give you <laughs> i can't i can't give you that life back after you boarded it you know? so let's let's make sure that we are on top of this beforehand you know because I, I feel yeah. bad you know so yeah <laughs> Essentially, what I what I do is I I, I make sure that I understand um, like what what the context is, what's the subtext. Is, that's the most important thing for me. Mm -hmm. After that, once I figured it out, I give my storyboard artists their handout. Right. Typically, you have mm -hmm. a team of like three people. Mm -hmm. On X Men, I'm fortunate enough to have an assistant director, which I've never had before in TV, which is really nice. But mm -hmm. you give your storyboard artists their handout, right? Mm -hmm. And some, I like to rotate times because I I want people to also have different scenes. I don't mm -hmm. want you, just because you're good at action. I don't want you to always have action because there are other people that want to do action too. Mm -hmm. They want to have, they want to put their stamp on it as well. Right. So you give everybody their opportunity. Um, sometimes I split it into acts like act one, act two, act three, because mm. if the transitions are important in this episode that makes those transitions sequence to sequence easier. Right. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, after I give them their handout, 
we do our own meeting where they ask their questions like, what is this? What is that? And then I give my opinions of how to probably approach it based off of the mm. tone meeting that I had where I got like explaining more in depth what the subtext is. And this is kind of a scene in this that reminds me of that, that you can go watch for a reference. Mm. Right. And so at that stage, they kind of come back to me after a few days, if they have any other questions, but essentially let's say we have them on a six week schedule. Mm-hmm. What I would do is I give them a week to come back to me with thumbnails. Mm. These don't have to be completed, posed out things, mm-hmm. but give me an idea of what you're working with in the scheme of the episode, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, and also going back, the way I prevent people <laughs> from doing that where they paste too many things out is I make people read the whole script first and then we do the whole handout after you've read the script and we had the tone meeting so that you have to read the whole script. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't even know what you're doing until after you've read it and you have all your questions to ask, then I'll tell you what you're working on. Cause I want everybody to be familiar with what goes on. Cause there's so many times when it's like, and I've done it myself where somebody gives me, Oh, this is my handout. I'm only reading these eight pages. Yeah. Essentially they, they do that. They come back to me. We have our, our one week meeting. I meet with them individually and we go over their thumbnails and they kind of give me what they're thinking. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, this is dope. Or, or, or let's think about this. And I think you paste this out too much. Or maybe, maybe, maybe we didn't want to milk this moment, you know, to make this really hit. Let's put a reaction shot here, you know, as opposed to, you know, cause I think a lot of times we, we cut, we cut to people too much to the person talking. Yeah. And I really like reaction shots because you're really wanting to be on the person receiving the information. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm-hmm, that's way more mm-hmm. interesting working through those the emotions on their faces, right? So I, I think reaction shots are the key. I like something nice, more cinematic too. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. I like a I like a nice balance of, of of shots as well, like a good shot rhythm. I do like close ups, but I always tell people, you know, after a while, let's pull the camera back to a nice wide shot to mm-hmm. reestablish where everybody's at, to reorient the viewer as mm-hmm. to where people are, you know, that kind of stuff. And just kind of keeping keeping tabs on that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, and then from that point, they're off to the races, right? They give me their, after two two weeks or so, they come back with roughs, which are basically kind of posed out. Uh, I prefer mm-hmm. people bored to audio. So I- Oh, I nice, really, okay. Yeah, because I, I like them to do their scratch dialogue because it also helps them not overboard. Because if they can't, if we can't get you production scratch, mm. you do your voices, now you know how much time the scene is. So you're not yeah, boarding no, a bunch sure. of stuff in between lines of dialogue because look, it's already mm-hmm. this amount of minutes. We our episode's got to be sub twenty six or sub twenty five, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can't have a twelve minute sequence in here. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I like them to do that, and also helps them with their acting as well, right? So just having the the audio and it's easier to pitch mm-hmm. as well. You know, um, if you can just hit play. Sometimes. Oh, so you're yeah, it's less awkward, yeah. yeah. Performance. Well, yeah. Some people, some, go, go ahead, Sean. Performing on the spot is not something everybody's super good at. You can get up there mm-hmm. and like if you flub your performance of your boards, then like good boards could potentially executives could be like, I'm not feeling these boards, but they're yeah. really good boards. You know, you could ruin it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, facts. Yeah, it it becomes a little bit more comfortable for people to just be able to like press play sometimes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be timed out per se, you know, but it's it's good. You know, I don't even mind if you pitch a PDF. You know, that's totally fine with me. Mm. But I, 
but you know, for specific things, I kind of ask my board artists to time it a little bit. For mm -hmm. if they have specific visions, it's not their job. So you have to consider that per the union, right? You mm -hmm. can't just be like, oh, I need you to time it too. But you know, I like to time my stuff. Most people I know that work in action, they love to time their own boards. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they, it's fun. You're essentially animating the scene. You know what I mean? So you know, I tell, I, I let them kind of, kind of go to their heart's content when it comes to that, and. Uh, otherwise we'll we'll do it in edit you know and mm -hmm. but yeah on a six-week schedule they get like one week for thumbs two weeks for roughs after we've had that meeting and then I give them my notes and they get three weeks to clean it up mm -hmm. I like to personally have pipelines where after that we have animatic one to if I can get away with two weeks mm -hmm. after the clean pitch where I get a week with the boards to do all the stuff that I want to do to these sequences just for a week to get them a bit more animatic ready so that when we go to V1, I've already kind of put a little bit more of my stank on it. Because, you know, mm. it's not necessarily your vision at clean pitch because I get to see it at a week. I get to see it at two weeks. You're not really trying to micromanage somebody those last three weeks. You want to let them kind of like dictate how they spend their time. Can start mm. anxiety inducing job as is because it's sometimes these things, scenes can be heavy, and so you don't know what things are going to look like in cleanup. So right. they may change this, change that, and it's like, oh, I would have shot this. I would have put this shot here, etc. So we send in those straight to edit without touching anything, which we do. You know, it depends on the production. It's still not necessarily your your take. Right. And so mm -hmm. if you're not getting at least a little bit more of who who you are in that, you know, at, at the animatic phase, then you're susceptible to notes that you could have prevented from an exec where it's like, oh, I'm not feeling this. And it's like, well, I didn't have an opportunity to throw in a reaction shot here to really make that land. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times their instincts may be to rewrite something or change something in the script. And it's like, we don't need to do that, though. Mm -hmm. We it, it, the, It's here in the boards. We just need to kind of punctuate this a little bit more so it lands. Yeah. So it's a preventative measure when it comes to that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a good idea. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes as a, an episode director, you have the opportunity to kind of pitch these solutions to potential problems? Like, do you feel like you can, if there's an exec meeting, tell them like, oh, this is a great note. What if we try to do this in the boards and then we we would get that same feeling without having to report too much, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, typically in, in, in most situations, um, I do think it, it all depends on your exec as mm. well, but there's definitely autonomy in that capacity. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, especially if you you have a solution. A lot of times before that even goes, like I let I like to get Sometimes I don't want to get bogged down with with an idea that I have in the moment. Like mm. I think a lot of a lot of times directors they, because they're trying to salvage stuff, mm. they and, and keep what they have. They can maybe give a solution that now the executive is tied to. It could be like, oh, I really like that, and you may have a better idea later. So my mm. personal technique is I just listen. You know, I listen. If there's something that they're confused about the intent in the boards, then I say, okay, this is the intent. And then they give the note, but then I'll say, okay, I'll marinate on that and come back to you. So I think about it in much more clarity. That way I can play it back a few times because I don't ever like to feel that pressure of like having to come up with a solution on the spot. I know how to mm -hmm. do my job. I don't got to try to prove to them that I got to do my job, but I know how to do my job, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, I yeah. try not to get 
in in that trap you know what i mean so no, I, th- um, I think that's wise uh, that's like measured of you i think mm-hmm. that's smart i think this is so great to hear because this is something that we we don't get to hear that often and i do feel like a lot of us artists might come at, at like in those meetings sometimes with a little bit of like defensiveness or a little bit of mm-hmm. like you're 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 worried you're you're coming in with a little bit of anxiety and i think it is so smart to just ask for more time and like you said like listening because i do feel like that goes such a long way because then everybody feels heard and like that a conversation happens so mm-hmm. it is like I just want to say it's it's really great to to hear it and to hear it from you who has like so much experience too. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's just kind of what works for me. You know, I don't say that that's what everybody's approach should be, mm. but for me, it yeah. works. Like, I'm a laid back guy anyway. You know, so a lot of times I'm more concerned about like, well, what's the note behind the note? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Why are you responding to this? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. now I'll ask questions. That's the one thing I do because I want to clarify more. Like so, and, and I use those opportunities to be like, "Oh, so what makes you feel like that? So what are you wanting to see out of this scene? What are we needing to emphasize more in this? You know what I mean? And that gives me way more clarity. So then <laughs> I come back, and if there's something that I really feel like, oh, I want to try to pitch this to them, I'll pitch it to them via email. Mm. You know, and I may and I may include some some thumbnail shots. I'll be like, here at this mark. This is what I want to do. You know, you time code it and everything. That way they can just easily cross-reference the animatic and just be like, okay, cool. I see exactly what you're trying to do. Mm. You know what I mean? And then pitch it that way. And it all depends on what it is too sometimes. You know, sometimes it, we don't have enough time for that. You know, that's just the nature of the beast. Right. So sometimes you, I listen, I'm like, well, what is the note behind the note? And then I do my best version of trying to change that to try mm. to address that note. Because I, I've, I've asked all the questions. I know what the note behind the note is and <laughs> yeah. so i get i get so i'll go into animatic then the next time they come in and they're like okay cool that works nice mm-hmm. you know that works you know so there, there are rare times when you get that that you're like i just still just not working for me and then you have a deeper conversation about it then you know mm-hmm. it's like okay and then, then i may start pitching stuff where i'm like well what is it exactly if we pull this if we pull this back you know etc you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had an instance of that happened super recently that I can be a little specific about. Um, <laughs> uh, basically, I was working on a project and the client, without warning us, did a te- tested it with an audience, <laughs> and oh, wow. and the and, and the audience, the audience was like, uh, I don't understand. This part is so sinister right here. Um, and so the client was like, Do, should we just cut that part? And I looked at the part and I was like, what is reading sinister at all about this part? Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. It was just like people, it was just a bunch of people of all different types, like looking over an area and then like walking over. I was like, there, what's sinister about this? And I realized that there's a shark person. There's a person with a shark for a head. And he's like f- frowning just because of the way that a shark faces. <laughs> yeah. and, and And I was like, if we just if we like make him smile, are you guys happy? And, and like we just changed it and we pitched that, and and they were like, oh, this is like really happy now. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I was like, oh, you wanted right. to get rid of that whole part. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you were getting ready to ax all of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, man. So it, it, that's it's, so like, funny. It's exactly that though, you know. So, but those yeah, that's that's preventative stuff. You know, I just try. There's a lot of preventative measures that I take when it comes to that, and. I do think you can, like I said, you can get yourself back into a corner trying to, you know, just trying to trying to prove that you know how to do your job. And it's just like, just sit back, 
you know, mm-hmm. be more measured, measure, measure twice, cut once, you know, it's always that I think it always is. And I think it's appreciated too, because a lot of time executives just kind of want to be heard. Yeah. Like they, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They want, they want to be heard and, and that's their opportunity to speak. So let them have the floor and give you their thoughts. And then, um, you know, even if you disagree with it, you know, come back. And there've been times when I, I push back on notes, you know, I push back on notes all the time. I mean, that's, I think that's a part of, that's a part of it. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. No, I, I always love to ask these questions because I, I do think that like, those are not things that we get to learn at school. And these are things that are kind of like on the job type of like skills. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to hear about like everyone's different approach to it. I had a um, quick question in the same kind of line for you, which was about the job of assistant directors. How do you as an episode director use y- your assistant directors like time, resources and, and skills? Yeah, it all depends. I mean, so like on this one, um, my AD is uh, David Maximo. Mm-hmm. He's a one-stop shop. You know, like <laughs> we he anything I can do, I, I feel like he can do. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to not have to worry about stuff. I can like be, I can scale myself so much easier where I'm like, you mm-hmm. know what? Excuse me. We have, I look, there's too many things for me to do physically. Mm-hmm. I've got to get this episode locked. And we got two weeks to lock and there's two sequences that are going to take me the entire two weeks to do. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we also have board artists that are coming up on rough pitch mm-hmm. that need help. Can you give them notes, right? You, you already know what the vein of the episode is. You know what tone we're going for, whose POV the scene is in. Give them notes, handle that stuff. And I don't even worry about it. So, yes. and then when it comes back, it's like, I trust his storytelling instincts. So there there will still be time for me to have my stamp on it. You'll go ahead and get it up to this point. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so, and and that's amazing. So uh, being able to do that. And, and then also, let's say we need to split the difference on trying to get something locked. And we there's a massive like restructured note that came down from, from the executive side. And we only have like three weeks to get this thing locked before ship, right? We got to mm-hmm. get all that stuff in to edit so they have time to play with it, right? We don't have the whole three weeks. Mm-hmm, we maybe mm-hmm. have a week and a half because edit's going to have to go back in. They got to sound design this. They got to get this locked and all this stuff. And it's going to be physically impossible for me to do that. I can just be like, yo, this is what I want. Or you you take those two sections, I'll take these two sections. And then we just come back together and then we cut it together. And it's, it's it always works out great, right? And mm-hmm. even if there's one or two tweaks, it's still one or two tweaks. And then most of the time it's a taste thing. Mm-hmm. So I've also come to terms to terms with like, just because I want it one way doesn't make it better. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just different, you know? So I've, I've, I've learned of it. I, I like, I like animation in that, in that um, the collaborative sense, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with things not always being the exact thing that I envision. There, there's just always like one or two things. So sure. in that sense though, like he, there's also times when there's a huge handout because we have a heavy script. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of action beats and it's just a lot, you know, there's a lot of characters and it's just a lot of mileage. You know what I mean? It's it, it's just a lot of mileage, a lot of line mileage. So let's say we want to make sure the board artists have handouts so they can actually finish. I may yeah. have to give him pages, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll, he'll take he'll take three pages. Mm-hmm. But I know those pages are not going to have notes because <laughs> we, we, we're talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like <clears throat> he's going to he has six weeks to get it done. 
we don't have to worry about it. We can plug those directly into the animatic and it's normally good, right? Nice. If, if the only notes yeah. come in from the showrunner or the or, or, or the exec, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so many different ways, you know, many ways. Uh, if there's an, if I can't be in an edit or I can't be in a, a design handout, we've are we already have this synergy. You know what I'm going to rock with. Mm-hmm. And I li- I love your taste. So you just go with what you think is the dopest. Mm, that's cool it, it, don't, it don't always got to be what i want you know what mm-hmm. i mean and I, I think that that's the mark of a good leader you know it's like empowering the yeah. people under you because they you want to let them have ownership in what they do you know mm-hmm. like let them do their thing like i think that that's great you know like i'm cool with that and i i want you to continue to i don't want you to do my job for me <laughs> you know but yeah, i yeah, also yeah. want you to you're an assistant director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Direct, their directing responsibilities that fall under that title. You're you're there to help to scale me, right? Yeah, yeah I get yeah, the final yeah. say, but I give you the autonomy to do that. You get the authority to say, this is what I want, this is what I want. And if I want to change it, I'll change it. But, you know, if it's dope, then it's good. We're good to go. I love that because I feel like that's a, a position that is kind of like hard to understand sometimes because it, it's not super common. So like hearing yeah. your perspective on yeah. it is super awesome. And you're giving such like a clear like rundown on like how you think of the position and, and how you work with it. Even even for me, like like I've I've been in an assistant director position before mm. on a show where the director like didn't use assistant directors. He was like, I've never used one before. I don't really need one. I'm just gonna have you board stuff. <laughs> and so so it's also nice for me as as somebody who's like, I've done like board artist, I've done directing, I've done supervising directing, but that mm. that role has always felt a little mysterious because I haven't had it handled in mm-hmm. in the way that helps me like learn about what that role does really. So this is insight for me too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's cool I, like i said i just like empower people to, to to do the stuff that they're good at you know hell yeah yeah it's like so it depends so much on like the on like you said on the person so it's really great to hear like your personal philosophy on it mm-hmm. and i guess like another question that i wanted to ask also that like is kind of that like, can be tricky for for a lot of people who are like trying to get into animation and stuff is that in in your personal experience have you as a director, an episode director, had the opportunity to have say in the people that you would hire on your team? Or was it something that is usually in the hands of the showrunner? No, I've had a hand in hiring everybody mm-hmm. on my team. In the regards of like, these are the people available. Mm-hmm. What do you think about them? Okay. And mm-hmm. if you know somebody else, I'll reach out to them and see if they're available. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've, I've absolutely had that. You know, uh, our line producer, especially on uh, and any job I've worked at, has been the same. You know, any any mm-hmm. directing position I've ever been on, it's always been the same. I've had a hand in, in every job that I've directed, and I've had a hand in in that they have been people that they've tried to be like, hey, and I and I, a lot of times I'll take them mm-hmm. if I feel like they work. Where they're like, hey, this person's rolling over from something else. We'd like to keep them employed. Can you use them on your team? A lot of times I'll take one for the team mm. for that reason to look out unless I'm just like, this just doesn't work or mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the caveat of like, can we try it out, see how it feels. And if it's working, then cool. If I can coach them up, cool. And they're normally okay with that. Mm, okay. That's good to hear too. I feel like, cause I feel like sometimes when you're a director, it's kind of hard to like navigate 
these moments because you're like you, you don't want to like bother your your ep by by like saying no i don't want any of them mm -hmm. <laughs> but you also you know so it's it's good to hear like your, your take on that we have a lot of questions from our listeners unless maybe uh... we do like a little like rapid fire like you like yeah. short 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 answers just so we can get uh, through a few of them yeah, without, yeah. you know we we've, we have we've already been talking for a little bit so i don't want to keep you too long but oh, it's all good let's do it <laughs> This one's kind of like really short and sweet from our patron Puzzle Glum. What was your favorite thing about directing on Kipo? I'd say like the fact that we were trying to do something different. Mm. You know, Rab was embracing just trying to make something that was kind of like this cinematic dystopian roadshow, essentially. All of the, and then also the like the mutes and uh, playing with scale. I love things where you can play with scale. I thought that was great. It had this perfect amount of like, you know, drama and, and comedy and it had heart as well. And it was just imaginative, you know what I mean? And 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 seeing his style realized, I thought was really cool. I've always been a huge fan of his personal work, you know, and he's got a few different styles he plays with as well. But the one that he did, he used for Kipo, right? I was a big fan of that. So it was it was nice to do that. And working with Rab was great too, you know. He, had, he I remember he told me, I came by DreamWorks feature to visit him like four years before Kipo got made. And he was like, you want to see this comic? I'm going to sell this. And he was like, it was like, yeah. And he was like, it was Kipo. And it was like 18 pages. Oh, and he was like, yeah, I'm going to sell this. And if I get it, if I, when I get it done, you're going to come on and direct. And he for sure hit me up. Well, like, he was thinking about you all yeah. the way back then. Yeah, that was dope. That was, that was my favorite part about it for sure. That's so cool. We have a lot of questions about people from our patron, Money Bean, who's a huge fan. Mm -hmm. But I think I might, for the sake of time, just kind of like hit one. This one's kind of interesting. Would you say... I'm going to read it as a, a long question. It's very long. Kipo mm -hmm. is a continuous storyline that got its seasons released decently quickly by Netflix and still tied up all its loose ends neatly. Would you say it aided the process to have a beeline to follow with the story? Or was there a lot of editing slash adding to primary plot points that weren't already set up? And is the season release schedule primarily decided by Netflix? Was this something the crew had to catch up to, writing the story and sending boards to the animation studio in time for the next season's release? So it's a lot of questions but i guess a lot of it has to do with it being like a, a serialized show yeah. in multiple seasons yeah i think there's an easy answer to that for the easiest answer way to say that is like one netflix ordered three seasons out the gate mm. so they ordered 30 so they planned the story structure from the beginning they were already in the writer's room planning for 30 episodes Mm -hmm. So that helps out with something that's heavily serialized like that when you know exactly where the landing spot is. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Legend of Korra season one, they killed the villain. Mm -hmm. But they, I don't think they would have killed the, the bloodbender villain with the mask. Mm -hmm. they, they, I don't think they would have killed him if they, if they knew they were going to get a season two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, did, they yep. didn't. You know, yep. so they just, they just ended the story. So no, it was that off the rip is why uh, I feel like Kipo was great because it was they ordered it right out the gate. You know, you got you, got, you know you got thirty episodes. You know how long you got to build, and what your character arcs can be, and the writers' room planned for that the entire time. So yeah, yeah, nice and sweet. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. From Twitter, Tatoba Main asks: Since you have experience in superhero stories, in your opinion, what makes a hero or a villain cool? Is it their character design or the way they're drawn? What do you think is key in creating a super? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, right? But I think essentially the the essence of what they stand for, you mm. know, 
Like that's yeah. really what makes them cool. You know what I mean? Because if you can identify with with them, I think that that is the main thing. I do think that that is just as important as design because you know you see a design sometimes and it's like, oh, this character is dope. I want to mm-hmm. see. You know what I mean? You're just drawn mm-hmm. in by the design of it. But I really think it's about what they stand for, what their personality is like. Can you relate to them? You know, I think relatability is is the key. Personally, like I've I like DC characters, but I've always looked at them as gods. Yeah. You know, like, and that that's not to say that's they're not, almost like too perfect. Yeah, it's not, yeah, gotcha. it's not it's not derogatory or anything. It's just like they're just kind of like gods. You know, mm-hmm. they're really strong. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're really strong. They're all kind of scream golden age. You know yes. what I mean? Wonder Woman, Superman, you know, that kind of stuff. I always kind of, as a kid, identify with the Marvel stuff because they played with more of like, with this power comes this, the other side of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Hulk is just as, like the Hulk is like the Superman, but he he rages out and he he can kill people. Mm-hmm. He can't his anger. You know, it's always like a bad thing that comes with it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Even Spider-Man, it's like it ruins his life, right? You know, he's like, you got to choose between the two things, being eternally broke, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, and having no relationships. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At last or, or or saving people, you know, like great power comes great responsibility, that kind of stuff. So I think that that's the, the essence of it for me, for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love that. I love that, how you broke it down too. So at Flippy Super on Twitter asked, what do you think are the fundamental things you had to learn to reach your current art style? I don't really have an art style because I can draw anyway. I mm-hmm. feel like I can draw realism, photorealism. I can paint, you know, do all that stuff because I have fundamentals because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger, you know? So mm-hmm. I just, even, even in elementary school, I always knew what I wanted to do. So, and the one constant through line was the fact that I loved comics and animation. So mm-hmm. fundamentals is where is the, is the main key is like learning how to, like how to draw from life, mm-hmm. realism and stuff like that, but also understanding movement and how to convey kinetic energy mm-hmm. and, and things. I gravitated to artwork that just felt really kinetic. Mm-hmm. So through osmosis, that's kind of what you see come through in my work now, because I draw the way that makes me the happiest. Mm-hmm. And I can draw realism. I can paint like a concept painter. And I like that stuff too. But I also like the idea of making things move. I like storytelling. I like being able to draw multiple images. You really get the essence of like, you know, a story. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not just in a single image. I like yeah. to use multiple images and then move on to something else. So I do something that based off of like Ninja Scroll and and, and all the anime I've watched, you know, I, I um, not just particularly Ninja Scroll, but I, I use it as an example because you can really see it in a lot of my stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I use that as a as a, as a, a yeah. basis for how I convey emotion. I think that the drawing style thing is interesting because while I agree that because you can draw many different types of ways, you don't have as distinct of a drawing style as maybe somebody who only draws their own stuff and that's it. But mm-hmm. I think that to people on the outside, sure, I do think that they can tell what you which drawings are yours, and and sure. I and I don't know whether that is has branched out beyond drawing style and more. It's like tastes things like poses that you like to do certain foreshortenings color choices that are that are like your favorite things to use Mm -hmm. but i wonder if it's almost like a a new word needs to be made for it because because it's like more complicated than just like oh i draw eyes this way every time yeah Mm -hmm. now you hit the nail on the head i mean it's like there are certain things that i there's sensibilities that i like and you'll find it in my work you know Mm -hmm. 
high energy animation, but leaning more into like the era of like the mid nineties, mid like 90 to 2000 anime specifically mature in a sense of, I, I hesitate to use that word, like, or even sophisticated. I don't want to use that word either, but more, more mature, more grounded stuff mm-hmm. that I can juxtapose with crazy, frenetic kind of crazy things so that you really feel the emotion of the character whenever you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get that out of a very cartoon version, but I also like the slightly stylized realism that you mm-hmm. see like yeah. magnetic rows, you know, or like that kind of thing. You know, the the other end of that would be way more stylized, like Kawajiri and stuff like that. And like Ninja Scroll we talked about and all that kind of stuff, but it's still grounded in a sense where you can see like, you know, you understand what the facial features are. It, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not an abstraction necessarily. So you can get the subtle emotion. Yeah. that you that you want to see and 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 stuff and i lean towards that and of course you know you associate that stuff with like action mm-hmm. you know, action animation and that's so fun because like yeah like there are distinct drawing styles but like once you get into animation there's a new language of movement where it's not that the drawing style is your style too sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. it's the movement style like like mm-hmm. FL, flcl or samurai shampoo like things move particularly mm-hmm you know in a way dead leaves like like they move in a certain way versus mm-hmm. something more straightforward like yeah like a full metal alchemist or something sure. like like you, you mm-hmm. i and and i think that um talking about style with you almost it, it almost is more like like talking about filmmaker styles like how like you can recognize like a, yeah. a tarantino kind of scene mm-hmm. yeah. like rather than just one drawing and it seems yeah. like you want to be beyond one drawing yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes and, and that that's the that's the that it, it is that it's like it's uh, this the nuance because mm-hmm. you know? um, when I the way I draw is according to the way I like certain people, the way that they make characters move, mm-hmm. right? You know, like people that draw that to speak about FLCL, you talk about like that Imaishi, Dead Leaves kind of uh, snappy hell pose, you know that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. that kind of snappy kind of stuff. Those it wouldn't necessarily look as cool. I feel like if you were to see like Yutaka Manawa design some really sophisticated characters, it would look cool. Don't get me wrong, because the drawings would be dope. But mm-hmm. the timing on some of that stuff, like that slow kind of you know speed ramp kind of like um, style, you know it 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 there's an elegance yeah. to the drawing style where the mo- the movement has to match that kind yeah. of. You it's saying? it's like it's like graffiti versus a mural or something mm-hmm. like like you have if you have like a stylized thing it just mm-hmm. doesn't have the same feel as like a beautiful painted like mural i don't know it, there's a certain flavor to it but, but they're both um, they're both yeah. enjoyable you know they're both, for sure yeah. yeah yeah they're both they're both really enjoyable and the, and the flavor is you could you can see it it permeates through through the work and yeah, it's, it's about emotional response. That's what I really, what I really care about. You know, like mm-hmm. the aesthetic is almost kind of secondary now. You know, to that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, getting stuck too long on one question. I said rapid fire, and then we started going in on No, it's a good, it's a good yeah. conversation. It's though. a great, yeah, it's a great conversation, great discussion. I think because I, I do feel like sometimes, especially w- when you're on the younger side of your career, you can get hung up on that question of style and i do agree that there's a moment in your career when you transcend style to go into something a little bit deeper than just the way it looks at it it just permeates all the different crafts Mm -hmm. around it so it's it was great Uh, (laughs) 
yeah, I don't know if we're going to get through all of the questions because we're like uh, running kind of short on time, but I do want to get through some of the YouTube questions because we have a lot of uh, people from YouTube asking questions. I, I really like this one because I think it might tie into the theme of our podcast from Matt Hank Humble 3552. What are some hobbies you have when you want to feel creative? That's a good question. I go outside for a little bit. I like to take walks. Um, I think that a lot of times we listen to the, we watch this too much content. There's, there's YouTube, there's screens and all you're, you're taking in too much. I think that you gotta, silence is, is great, but like silence when you're walking, I, I think that you can get, there's something about getting your legs moving and then just taking a walk mm. and where people you, watching a little bit, too, yeah, you, you know, get to take in the world. Yeah, there's a certain amount of clarity that comes with that. I watch inspirational stuff if I can, you know, but at the same time, I've, I've, I've watched so much that a lot of times you run out of content, you you, you kind of get caught up in that, you know, you be like, oh, now you're yeah. down the rabbit hole, you're searching for something to watch for an hour, if you're like me, and it's like, yo, I've been watching this menu, that, that's, that was my TV time, I got to go to bed now, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't have nothing else, I don't have the time, but... Yeah, um, that that's the main thing. I like to, I really like to take a walk and then just go sit somewhere outside. Like, mm. just go sit outside somewhere. You know, it's not the same as grounding. You can't do any grounding in in downtown LA unless you want like uh, your foot to turn into a another person. You know what I'm saying? But like, and that's where that's where you take your shoes off and put your feet on the ground, right? Grass. Yeah, grounding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ain't no touching grass down here. You know, letting your yes. letting your body's magnetic yeah. energy connect with the earth. You know. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some people do it, but uh, I would not recommend. Nah. <laughs> I'd not recommend. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some energies, you know, on the earth that you maybe you don't want to connect with, that's for sure. <laughs> if it's not go doing a hobby or taking a walk, do you have any ways that you personally work through creative block or or maybe even just being stumped on a scene if you're if you're not sure how to do it? Like maybe maybe there's a deadline and you you don't have the choice to step away and take mm -hmm. you know like a, a, a long walk or, or or something like that how do you how do you work through i think you rely on clarity mm -hmm. right I, that's kind of the main thing like you know because really clarity is king like it doesn't matter about whatever kind of like setup you're trying to do as far as this is the concept of how i'm shooting this you know there on this side of the room which is supposed to symbolize this and then it's like that don't matter if nobody understands it right you know it doesn't matter like so like you can do that but you have to remember that like clarity is key like you, you can't speak to the subconscious like a movie that does that like art movies like the green knight uh -huh. You know, like there's stuff like, yeah. you know, where it's like really visually symbolic and, you know, you can get into symbolism. I love symbolism and stuff, but clarity is king. So the main thing I make sure of like, what are the things I need to hit? Mm -hmm. And because that's what you need to be there. You don't want to have half of a scene that's amazingly done and then nothing for the rest. Right. So at least make sure you get the coverage of like what beats need to be hit. You know, the rest of it is kind of secondary. So I, I, I just go into like, into that mode, you know what I mean? Nice. That's, a, yeah, that's a great answer. We haven't really had that before on the show. So that's really awesome. I'm gonna thank our patron Money Bean for asking so many questions. And on YouTube, I wanted to thank The Fish, Zen Stars and the Hank Humble 3552. Sorry we didn't get to your questions, but uh um, great questions though. Yeah, like we're really lucky to have gotten such insightful questions from y'all listeners. 
Yeah. Is there anything that you want to plug, Chase, before uh, we wrap up? Well, I'd say um, first and foremost, watch X-Men when it comes out on Disney Plus the spring X-Men 97. We've been working hard on that for like the past three years. So be sure to watch it. I hope everybody likes it. Be on the lookout for my personal projects, if you don't mind. You know, there a lot of them are in their infancy, but it's just because I've been working on things in the background. So I've got a YouTube page, which is under my name. It's under St. Chase as well. I believe it is. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me make sure. Uh, it is <laughs> It is. It is under St. Chase. So it's, it, it's at St. Chase on YouTube, S-A-I-N-T-C-H-A-S-E. There's nothing up there right now, except maybe a time lapse in the first two parts of my Cosmic Horror Western, but make sure you take a look at that. And then of course, we I work every week on that stuff on projectcity.tv. There's a, a bunch of amazing creators that are also um, a part of the community and they offer like amazing insight and knowledge and you know, we're just we're just all trying to create something cool. You know what I mean? So come join us and come check it out. And and hopefully uh, you'll, you'll stay for a little bit of time. If not, make sure you look at some of the cool projects that people are uploading because, you know, it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So between that, though, yeah, just be sure you're looking out for, for personal projects. You know, I'll be ramping up in the spring. My my contract is up. I'm going on hiatus in probably April. So I'm going to push really hard this summer to just work on my personal projects. And that's awesome. You deserve I'm, it. I'm really looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah. You I, heard I, it I on enough. creative block, everybody. <laughs> Make sure you follow Chase for the, like the spring and summer. Ooh, yeah. exciting. So much happening. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to briefly mention, there were some names that were mentioned this episode of people that we've also done interviews with. We did, uh, there was an interview with Spencer one creative block number 59 worthy kids, creative block number 31, as well as the, uh, Chris Pernosky, Creative Block episode number 42. Go check those out to all amazing artists. Yeah, I got to watch all those. I caught up uh, on a few, but thank you guys for giving me some amazing content to digest and to hear from some of our peers. You know, a lot of these people, I'm like, I want to know what this person's thinking too. Oh, <laughs> heck yeah. Oh, that's so I'm, sweet. Thank that you. That is dude. so nice. I'm so happy to hear that. And I guess with that, it's the end of this Creative Block chase. Thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your story. No doubt. Hold on, I'm just finishing up this. I've got to fill in this fist. <laughs> I'll, I'll stall as long as I can. Yeah. Uh, no, and, no. Thank, <laughs> and thanks to our listeners. Uh, follow us on uh, social media at CRTV Block, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clements, for editing the podcast, Marco for helping us produce the show, and Abuka for creating the short clips we're putting out. If you love our show, you can support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews and access to our Discord community. Another great way you can support us is interacting with our content. Uh, comment, like, subscribe, hit the bell. All of these things really go a long way because it helps spread our podcast to more people. And uh, the more people listen to our podcast, the, the bigger the guests we can get. So it's a win-win for everybody. Click the link in the description of this episode to follow Chase on all of his platforms and to follow our Patreon. I've been your host, V. And I was Sean. Uh, keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.